listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm teaching you today on this life-changing growth principle that Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen Sr., uh, taught us in Bible school. And it's, a fu- it's actually kind of a funny way that I learned this lesson. A very funny way, actually. Because you think about it, right? For those of you that may not know who <clears throat> Kenneth Hagen was, you might call him the father of the Word of Faith movement. You might call him that. The father of the Word of Faith movement. Um, powerful man of God, a prophet of God, um, and a powerful Bible teacher. Many of you have listened to his teaching for years. Some of you may just be finding out about Kenneth Hagin. And um, what a powerful man of God. So he uh, founded Rama Bible Training Center, which is the Bible school that I went to. And um, he was a man of faith. He taught faith. He had a mandate from the Lord, teach my people faith. And that's what he did. And uh, stood in the office of a prophet as well. And he would prophesy when the Spirit of God would come upon him. I've been in services like that where the power of God hit him and he began to prophesy. He would prophesy year after year of what was coming in the future. And a powerful man of God. I've been in services where the joy of the Lord hit. I've told you testimonies of when I was in Bible school. And he'd try to teach during things like camp meeting or winter Bible seminar. He'd try to teach. But the Holy Spirit was already uh, moving throughout the whole auditorium. And and people were already getting hit by the Holy Ghost and laughing and crying and dancing and shouting and running. And uh, he'd realize, you know, I'm I'm not going to get this service back, so I'm going to minister to the people. And he'd come off the platform and start laying hands on people and powerful services. And uh, I've told you the story of how uh, during one of those winter Bible seminars, He came off the platform, and I mean, there must have been close to 6,000 people in the sanctuary of the church, and I mean, power of God was hitting, and I was praying, I was like, Lord, send him over to my direction, send him over where I'm at, and he never came over to my section the entire service, but in the middle of him ministering, I got hit so hard by the power of the Holy Ghost, I was just lifting my hands and praising God and worshiping. And all of a sudden, boom, I got hit by the Holy Ghost. I went out. Nobody even laid hands on me. I went out under the power of God, rolled up under a pew in the church, and I was just praying in the Holy Ghost, and I was receiving an impartation. And um, uh, to this day, I can sense that stay with me my whole life, my whole ministry, but that impartation was so strong, it hit me so strong, that even when that service came to an end, And I was trying to get back to speaking in English. I was trying to call my parents. I could not stop speaking in tongues for a good two hours or more after that service came to an end. And I mean, I was trying and the Holy Ghost was on me. And uh, it's it's a powerful thing. I mean, I was just just so overcome by the power of God. Something happened that night. And I received an impartation of the Holy Spirit, uh, I believe, from Brother Hagin. 
And uh, it's never left me. And I, I thank God for that man and his ministry, powerful ministry. Well, how awesome is it that he felt to start a Bible school and uh, God provided, they built that, um, he's told the testimony in his books and I've shared it on here, that God blessed them in the midst of a recession in America. And uh, all while others were losing out, God was blessing Brother Hagin and his ministry and all of the money came into his ministry during a, uh, a recession and paid cash for that campus. Cash for that campus. Powerful. And uh, thank you, TJ. And so uh, the, the Bible school was launched in the 1970s. And uh, I believe the first graduating class was like 1977 or 76, something like that. And uh, I graduated in, in 2002. And so... How amazing is it to not just go to the school, but to be able to have Brother Hagen as one of your teachers of your classes? And we had him for four classes over the two years that I was there, and he taught us on prayer, was one of the courses. He taught us on the Holy Spirit. He taught us on uh, theology too, and, uh, and just taught us, and the classes were like sitting in a meeting. I mean, it was so powerful. And there were so many, they would try to make the best use of his time, obviously. There were so many people in the class, probably, you know, 900 to 1,000 students in the class. It was amazing. And um, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing when you get to be able to sit under the one who is the head of that vision and, and have him teach you in person. And uh, it was wonderful. Well, here I am in one of those classes. And I mean, I'm just so pumped up that I was like, I, I was sitting there thinking like, this is, this is amazing. And I, your spirit is so expectant to receive, you know, from the man of God. He was the two years that I was there, he was 85 years old and 86 years old. So he was in and he, and he passed away the next year in 2003, went home to be with the Lord. But here's a man that's in the final years of his ministry and uh, has all this wisdom, all this knowledge, all this impartation and his anointing that you're receiving. And I'm just sitting there. Well, I felt bad because I, I was working a job. Maybe you've never heard me share this story before. In my second year of Bible school, I got a job working for uh, a call center that handled uh, ministry calls for different major ministries, uh, nationally known and internationally known ministries um, like Benny Hinn and, and Jack Van Impe and others. And so I was one of the people in the call center taking calls for their television program. And, uh, but my shift was an overnight shift. So I started work at 11 o'clock PM and then I got off work at 8 AM. So I worked the overnight shift and then at 8 30, um, classes started. So I would have to leave and get ready. And then classes began at, at 8 30 AM. So I'd have to get over to the school, get ready, you know, and, and get, get there for class. And then of course, classes went until about noon. And then after that, I would have prayer and healing school where I played the organ and, and sang, did a little of that, uh, all the way until three o'clock PM. 
And, and then I'd get home, I'd have to do all my homework, my reading, my study, all the stuff I'd have to do at home, whatever. And then I'd go to sleep around 5 p.m. and get up again at 10 p.m. to do it all over. And I found myself getting tired. And one of the things that really, really bothered me is that I'd come in and sit down in Brother Hagin's class. And there I am in front of the man of God who, you know, not that he's the reason that we're there. I mean, he's the one that founded the school. He's the one that had the anointing to, to see this vision come to pass. And, he, and he's getting ready to teach. And I could feel myself so tired from a whole night of work, you know, all of the stuff. And, and, and I'm just kind of feeling worn out. And I caught myself a couple of times. And here I am in this class. And of course, he had one of those voices too that was just really soothing to listen to. You know, he had one of those, one of those voices just that would almost like just soothe you, bring peace, you know, like fall asleep. And I felt myself starting to doze off in class. And um, that really bothered me a lot because I'm thinking to myself, like, I didn't come here to go work a job. I didn't come here to sleep on the man of God while he's teaching. And I felt a conviction in my spirit that here I am sitting in front of the man of God trying to receive. And all of a sudden my flesh is trying to overtake me and I'm, I'm dozing off. I'm getting sleepy. I'm starting to nod in class. I didn't want to miss one thing. I didn't want to miss one revelation from the Lord uh, in these courses. And so I'm here I am. And I'm, you know, you know, you've been there and I'm sitting there trying and I'm like, I'm dozing. And uh, I got upset and I began to pray about it. And I said, Lord, I don't want to go into these classes and, and start to doze and fall asleep and miss out. First of all, it's dishonoring to the man of God who's giving his time to pour into you. It's, it's dishonorable. And then secondly, you're doing yourself a disservice because here I am and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm missing, you know, however much it might be. I, if I fall asleep, I'm missing things that I need for the ministry. The reason God sent me there, and you know my testimony that I was headed somewhere else, but the Lord changed my path. He sent me there and I was there for a purpose to receive something. And so I felt bad. I felt convicted. And uh, the Lord said to me while I was praying, he said, turn to Romans chapter eight and verse 11. And I didn't even have to, I, I knew the verse by my spirit already. And I knew where he was leading me, where Paul said to the Romans, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he shall quicken your mortal body, gives life to your mortal body. And that same spirit dwells in every one of us. That's the Holy Ghost. And so here I am in class and the Lord's given me this revelation. He said, begin to meditate on that, begin to uh, uh, thank me for that, and begin to uh, focus on the fact that the Holy Ghost is not only in you, he's stirring up, quickening, making alive your physical body. So I just begin to say, as I'd go into the class, thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, and I'd pray in the Holy Ghost, thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is on the inside of me. And I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring me up. I thank you, Lord that uh, you're quickening my body today. Thank you, Lord, that I'm, I'm being stirred up and ready to receive from the man of God. Can I tell you that after I started praying like that, 
After I started confessing like that and praying in the Holy Ghost on these classes, I never, I would feel the, 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 the strength of the Holy Spirit in my physical body. Though I had been tired from working, though all these other things were going on, I felt the strength of the Holy Ghost. And I began to get stirred up. And I'd be sitting there and I'd be on the edge of my seat, legs shaking, you know, ready to receive, like anticipating what the Holy Spirit was going to reveal in those classes. Changed my life. And I recognized it. Well, here I am sitting in class and um, I'm looking around and it, it was blowing my mind. Now I can understand it as I said, but it was blowing my mind. I, I'm looking around the class as Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen Sr. is teaching. And I'm looking around the auditorium and I see people that are just gone, like literally out cold and they don't even care. I'm looking at people like this, like they're gone. Bible on the chest and just out cold. Well, now I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how can they not even care? Like they don't care about it. They don't care about receiving I mean, he's the reason we all came here to receive an impartation from him. And they don't even care. They don't even care. They're just, and, I would, and it'd be multiple people, just out cold, just out cold, sleeping on the man of God. And I, I was just, I was just kind of blown away by that, but also like, this is insane. This is insane, right? Well, in our classes, in our classes, there were two bells that would ring. You had the final bell that was the dismissal bell, but then you had a bell that was five minutes before that one. That kind of was a bell that let the teacher know to start coming to the end of their teaching so that we could be dismissed on the final bell. And um, that five minute bell uh, was an interesting thing. And this is, this is what, what Brother Hagin taught me. This is why I'm teaching you this today. Because I got it. I got what he was saying. I, I, I fully understood uh, what was happening. And here we are in these classes where Brother Hagin's teaching. And I'm like, again, I'm so amazed that I got to be a part of that before he passed away. But here we are. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. We're sitting there. I'm like scribbling notes furiously. You know, back, I was, I was not a digital note taker back then. I still had my big yellow legal pad pen. I was going at it, you know, had my Bible open and I'm, I'm going, he's teaching and I'm just like, and then as he's teaching, the five minute bell rang as it does every day. And you could hear when the five minute bell rang and, and students would do this, not just here, but students would do this in all the other classes. They would do it in all the other classes. When the five minute bell would ring, students would start to pack up their things. So they'd, they'd fold up their Bible. They'd, they'd flip their notebooks closed or whatever. They'd pull out their <clears throat> backpacks or their tote bags or whatever they had and start putting their stuff away at the five minute bell, knowing that we're getting ready to be dismissed. Well, here we are in Brother Hagin's class and he's teaching and He's, we're in one of the larger auditoriums and the five minute bell rang and I watched and you could hear, because there's so many people, you could hear 
people starting to put their stuff away. And I'm looking around. You could see people closing their Bibles. You could see people closing up their notebooks. And if they had a laptop, closing their laptop and starting to pack their stuff. And I watched. It was such a shocker. And you could feel the heavy rebuke in it. Although it, it, it didn't come out heavy from him. But when that happened and people started packing up, I watched. And Brother Hagin, he just closed his Bible like that. And he said, well, I guess that's all you can receive from me today. He said it just like that. I guess that's all I can teach you. I guess that's all you can receive from me today. And, you know, he, he said it as though he was closing the class. And of course, he had, a, he had a zip Bible. So he'd always zip it up when he was done. He said, well, I guess that's all you can receive from me today. And he zipped his Bible up. You could hear him always because he had the headset mic. So you could always hear that zip, 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 just like, you know, like that. And he'd say, say it out loud for the Lord is good. Well, you knew, you knew when he was doing that, he was closing the class now. That was his dismissal. Say it out loud for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Well, he said, he, instead of saying that, he'd say, he just zipped it up. He said, well, I guess that's, that's all you can receive from me today. Zipped his Bible up. And I, he may have said like a God bless you or something like that. And he turned and he just began to walk off the platform, down the stairs, out to the green room and out and gone, <clears throat> gone. And you could feel, it's not that he just closed the class. It, that from Brother Hagin was an extreme rebuke. And you could feel it in the classroom, which was an auditorium. But you could feel the rebuke from him saying that and him just walking off the platform without the normal, say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. You could feel the rebuke in what he had done and the point he was driving home into the students that were there, that you don't so lightly value the gift of God that you've been given that you just shut down on them. Well, let me tell you, when he did that, it, you could feel like a silence hit that room. Like it wasn't the normal, like people getting up and greeting each other and, uh, you know, talking between walking to the next class. When he did that, you could sense like a silence hit the room, even as he was leaving a silence where everybody knew they had been rebuked. They had been rebuked by the man of God and they are, they automatically understood their mistake that they'd packed up and shut down the man of God as he's in the midst of teaching, especially in the final years of his life with all that he had to give us. Let me tell you, Here's a man that had such a depth of resource and reserve in his spirit that he took our class on prayer and every single day of the semester took the same exact text from the Bible every single day of a semester. And he said, all right, open your Bibles again to John chapter 15 and verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you may ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Every day preached from that text. That was the theme text of an entire semester. And here's a man who had so much in his spirit just on uh, one text on prayer that he could teach a class for an entire semester uh, starting from that place. And here's, here's something that we're realizing 
is that, uh, that as people were shutting him down, quote unquote, he said, I'm not going to stay here. This is the, this is the lesson. I'm not going to stay here for another minute after people have been shut down to receiving the revelation that I'm giving. And so literally zipped his Bible up, walked off the platform and left us there to learn the lesson. And what is the lesson? And this is the, and I'm going to show it to you from uh, not only the scripture today, Brother Hagin teaching us that, but I have something else here that I want to read to you. The lesson is you've always got to stay in a place of spiritual hunger. You've always got to stay in a place of spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger is the key. And so I want, I, I can, and listen, I can tell you when there is spiritual hunger. I remember I was teaching, well, let me give you the verse first, Matthew chapter five. And of course, you know, the verse, very popular verse, verse six, Matthew chapter five and verse six, Jesus is teaching, uh, in the sermon on the Mount. And what does this verse say? Matthew five, six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This translation says filled. The other translation says they shall be filled. Blessed are they. So there's a blessing that comes upon people who are spiritually hungry, that stay spiritually hungry. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Cody said, Luke 153, the hungry will be filled with good things, but the rich will be sent away empty. You can never go to the place where you think, well, I'm good. I don't need any more. And I can tell you when I know I've seen spiritual hunger, even in my own teaching. I did one time. And if Denise or Glenn are on today, you'll know I was with Denise and Glenn at the youth camp that we did in Ringe, New Hampshire. And I can remember a few of those years, I would teach and we'd have morning sessions. But I, I can remember, you know, even in those morning sessions where most times students are sleepy, they're tired, but I would open it up because I knew students were hungry, students had questions, they wanted to know more about the Word of God. So I'd say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a day where it's just a straight up, I'll teach a little bit, but it's questions, questions and answers. You can ask anything you want and we'll do our very best to answer it from the word of God. And it's a morning session, you know, and here we are sitting there. And I mean, you'd think students would be embarrassed to ask biblical questions in front of their friends, but it was one after another. And I mean, people scribbling notes and I mean, they'd line up around the room to stand in front of the microphone and ask a question or they'd keep on raising their hand and uh, we'd stay. Well, I'm sitting there and this would happen every year. We would do this and then the bell would, or the, the, the noise would go off to let us know, or lunch is, lunch is getting ready to happen. Or we'd get to that place where we'd look and it'd say, man, it's lunchtime. And nobody was leaving. Nobody would leave because they, they weren't hungry for lunch. They were hungry for the knowledge of the word of God. Asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. Hungry for the word of God. We're talking about young people, students. 13 years old, 14 years old, up to 17, some 12 years old, hungry. I want to know about this. Tell me about this. Tell me about prophecy. Tell me about this. 
And we would just go on and on and on. And nobody was leaving. Nobody was leaving. Hunger. Spiritual hunger that you can sit and receive. Blessed. There's a blessing that comes on people that are spiritually hungry. They're spiritually hungry. Well, the Bible says that. And I want you to turn with me to Psalm 63 before I show you this other thing. This is mind-blowing to me. Psalm 63. Look at this now. Psalm 63 and verse 1. Listen to what David wrote. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Think about that. That David was so thirsty, so hungry for God. We're talking about a man after God's own heart. So thirsty, so hungry for God that he likened it to being in a place like a desert where there's no water and his fainting, his, literally his flesh is fainting from the lack of water. He said, I thirst for you at that level. I hunger for you at that level to where my flesh feels as though it will faint. Go back to Psalm 42, a very well-known psalm, especially thanks to the song. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So hungry for God that you can feel it. So hungry. Well, there was a man of God in the last century that I'm sure you may have heard of because I've taught you about him uh, multiple times. His name is Dr. John G. Lake. Dr. John G. Lake, who was a medical doctor and became a minister of the gospel. And this man was, had such a powerful ministry. You've heard me tell the testimony of how he went to South Africa during the bubonic plague, had a powerful ministry there, and then came back to the United States and had a, a house in Spokane, Washington, where, and they were, he, he called them healing rooms. So he would use the house and he would have patients come into the house and he trained up spiritual technicians, healing technicians, and they would meditate on the word of God. They would minister to the sick and they would see the sick healed, diseases healed. And in a 10 year period, they saw over 100,000 documented miracles in a 10-year period, to the part where like, they got investigated by the Better Business Bureau because they said, there's no way this has to be a lie, this has to be fraud. And the Better Business Bureau investigated them. And then a front page, front page, page news article had to be written that the half of the stories, not only is it true, but the half of the stories have not even been told as to what God has done through the healing rooms. A man came from Washington, D.C. after this and declared Spokane, Washington to be the healthiest city in America 
after Dr. Lake uh, did the work God called him to do there? Well, one of the main things that Dr. Lake ministered that became very popular, and of course this, this right here is the full, uh, complete collection of his life and teachings uh, by Dr. John G. This is Dr. John G. Lake. Everything he wrote, everything he preached, everything you could get your hands on, it's a, it's a pretty, big, uh, pretty big book. It's well over a thousand pages, I would guess, or it's right at a thousand pages. And so a thousand pages of the things that uh, Dr. Lake wrote, things that he said, even, I believe, things, that, yeah, th- lectures he gave on the radio, uh, everything compiled, books that he wrote, letters he wrote to people, uh, everything, sermons, just a powerful collection. In this, uh, and I have everything that he's done on, in other books as well, but in this, I wanted to show you because on December the 11th in 1924, he preached a sermon that ended up becoming a very popular uh, sermon. He, he even released a book that contained this sermon within it. And uh, the title of the, of the sermon was Spiritual Hunger. Spiritual Hunger. He believed that this was the premier thing that every believer needed to capture in their spirit. Spiritual hunger, he believed, was the deciding factor for what God wanted to do in every believer. Well, why is that? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What does the Bible say in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6? The Bible says, uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Let me tell you, you're not going to diligently seek God if you're not hungry for God. You won't diligently seek him if you're not hungry for him. You have to have that hunger in place before. Why? Why is that? Because uh, hunger, hunger is something that will drive you to do certain things. Hunger will drive you to do certain things. Let me read you just a portion of, um, of the sermon because this, this will change you, man. This will change you. It's a very, very powerful, very powerful sermon in its fullness, but I'm just going to re- uh, read you a, a small portion of the beginning. He said, the text tonight, of course, is Matthew 5, 6 that I just quoted. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now listen, this is the beginning of his sermon. Hunger is a mighty good thing. It is the greatest persuader I know of. It's a marvelous mover. Nations have learned that you can do most anything with people until they get hungry. But when they get hungry, you want to watch out. There's a certain spirit of desperation that accompanies hunger. Let me stop right there and and focus on that phrase. Did you see that? There's a certain spirit of desperation that accompanies hunger. I want you to put that in the comments section. There's a spirit of desperation that accompanies hunger. Put that in the comments. Put that in the chat. Put it in your notes. That is something that you need to keep in your heart at all times. There's a certain spirit of desperation 
that accompanies hunger. Desperate. Got it. You know, when someone is starving, they're desperate. When somebody's starving, let me, let me say this. When someone's truly starving, they don't ask what's for dinner. They don't care the, what the, what's on the menu. If someone's truly starving, hear me, if someone is truly starving, they don't care what kind of food is prepared for them. They're hungry. They need to eat. They're desperate to eat. This is how you know when people are hungry. Have you seen it? It's very sad to see. Have you ever seen somebody that's, that's going through a garbage bin or going through garbage cans or garbage bags to see if there's anything edible left? If you've seen that level of desperation, which I have, I've seen it. When people are so desperate, they're so hungry, there's nothing to eat that they're going through garbage to find something that might be edible. There's a level of desperation. They're not, they don't care. They don't care what it is. They just know. I need to eat. I'm starving. I'm st-. And that's how it is with, with the people of God. If we'll get to that place, there's a certain spirit of desperation that accompanies hunger. Hunger has to be a part of your lifestyle in Christ. I'm hungry for God. I'm hungry for God. That's what he writes here, or this was part of his sermon. There's a certain spirit of desperation that accompanies hunger. Listen to this. I wish we all had it spiritually. I wish we all had it spiritually. I wish to God we were desperately hungry. Wouldn't it be glorious? Somebody would get filled before this meeting is over. It would be a strange thing if we were all desperately hungry for God, for only one or two got filled in a, ser- in a service. See that? He's saying like, if there's only one or two people that got filled in a service, when everybody was super hungry for God, that would be weird. What he's saying is, we'd all get filled. We'd all get filled. We'd all have an encounter with God if we could all get hungry. Then he quotes it again. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness is is just the rightness of God. The rightness of God in your spirit. The rightness of God in your soul. The rightness of God in your body. The rightness of God in your affairs, in your home, in your business, everywhere. God is an all-around God. His power operates from every side. The artists put a halo around the head of Jesus to show that there's a radiation of glory in his person. They might just as well put it around his feet or any other part of his person. It is the radiant glory of the indwelling God radiating out through the personality. There's nothing more wonderful than the indwelling of God in the human life. The supremest marvel that God ever performed was when he took possession of those who are hungry. Blessed are they which do hunger. I will guarantee you that after the crucifixion of Jesus, there was 120 mighty hungry folks at Jerusalem. I do not believe if they had not been mightily hungry, 
they would have gotten so gloriously filled. It was because they were hungry that they were filled. Think about it. It's because they were hungry. He's talking about spiritual hunger. That if we're going to be filled, if we're going to be blessed, we've got to be hungry for the presence of God. Well, you ask yourself, what kind of things will hunger produce in a person? I look at some of the things that, for example, Brother Hagin, I, I go back to him as he's teaching us, we look at his life. And he said, you know, he'd talk about reading the New Testament. He said, you know, I've read the New Testament 250 times and portions of it much more than that. Portions of it much more than that. Think about that for a second. I've read the New Testament 250 times and portions of it much more than that. Well, think about it. If you read the New Testament every month, as I've given you the reading plan to do, every single month, that means that you read it 12 times a year, which means that after 10 years, you've read it 120 times, which means after 20 years, 240. So that's over 20 years of reading the New Testament every month. And then he said portions of it much more than that. So hunger drove him to read the New Testament over 250 times. Not only that, I can remember his son, Pastor Hagen, Kenneth Hagen Jr., telling stories of when he was younger. He said, I would see my dad, I'd go to bed at night, and I'd see my dad sitting at his desk over his Bible, and he'd have a cup of coffee on the desk next to him, and he'd have out his Bible, and his lamp would be on, and I'd see him as I was going to bed, sitting there, reading his Bible. He said, I would wake up in the morning, and I'd look, and my father would still be in the same clothes, sitting at the same desk, still reading the Bible, with that same now cold cup of coffee next to him, as he's digging into the Word of God. Spiritual hunger will have you dive deep into the Word of God. And I, I know we've got a group of hungry people that are a part of this broadcast. I mean, we launched the Bible Study Made Simple uh, course, and oh, in just a short period of time, almost 350 people jumped in to study the Bible deeper. We're going to open that class up again in the fall. But you talk about hungry people. People want to go deeper into the Bible. That's what spiritual hunger does. It will send you into the Word of God. It will send you into studying deeply the Word of God. Well, what else will hunger make you do? Hunger will drive you to prayer. Spiritual hunger will drive you to prayer. And I don't mean just like short little prayers here and there. It will drive you to do like what the early church did, what the apostles did. It'll drive you to daily prayer. It'll drive you. You, you look at what they did in Acts chapter 3. It gives us a narrative story that they were going up to the temple at what? The hour of prayer. And so they had a daily hour of prayer. And it was right around, the, the Bible says, at the ninth hour which is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
three o'clock in the afternoon is considered the ninth hour. So right around three, they were going up for their hour of prayer. Why were they praying like that? Because the early church was a hungry church. They were a church that was so hungry, they were turning the world upside down. That under the threat of death, they continued to meet. They continued to preach. They continued to evangelize. They continued to copy the New Testament and take it around the world. They continued in their purpose because they were so hungry. They were so on fire that under the threat of death, they never stopped doing what God called them to do. And it wasn't just death. It was gruesome death many times. It was being uh, beheaded or cut in half or fed to wild animals in the Colosseums, fed to lions. You know, it, it was being crucified. It was, uh, it, it was torturous death, people being martyred. But they did not stop. They did not stop. Why didn't they stop? They were hungry for the things of God. They were on fire. They were spiritually starving to see God move in their lives and in their generation and to see the church of God established around the world, to see people come in to the kingdom of God. They had a fire on the inside of them that could not be quenched, that couldn't be threatened out of them by those that were in local government or national government, could not be threatened out of them. I pray we have that kind of supernatural hunger today, that kind of supernatural, and I thank God, you know, I'm giving God thanks and praise today for every pastor, every church, every Christian that didn't allow the government to close them down, that didn't allow the government to shut their churches. I give God thanks and praise for every leader that stayed hungry, that pressed in, that didn't allow the threats of the government uh, to stop the work of God that they've been called to do. And I pray that we all get that kind of spiritual hunger. What will it do for you? It will cause you to go after the presence of God like you never have. You know what spiritual hunger will do? It'll cause you to fast and pray. Not just pray. It'll cause you to fast and pray. Hallelujah. That your body, though your body is hungry for food, you say, Lord, I'm hungrier for your presence than I am for food. I am hungrier for your presence, for your anointing, than I am for food. I'm hungry for you, Lord. And it'll cause you to fast and pray. It'll cause you to press in. It'll cause you to press in. What will hunger do? It'll cause you to witness. It will cause you to spread the gospel to those around you. It will cause you to not be able to stay silent. To be bold. To preach this gospel. It'll cause you to speak things that your flesh doesn't want to even say. It'll cause you to say it. Spiritual hunger. It turns you into a different kind of person. A different kind of person. You've heard me share the story about my, my cousin who's very quiet. She was very quiet, very timid. Not timid in that way, but I mean like very, uh, she was more of an introverted person. But man, she went to Bible school and she got on fire. She, she got so hungry for, for souls to be saved that here's this, this little five foot nothing uh, uh, girl that used to be very quiet, very shy. But now, 
I've told you the story. She walked out onto that varsity football field during football practice and told the coach, I need the team to take a knee. I've got something to say. And the coach literally blew the whistle, had the team come in. And she stood there and preached the gospel to that whole football team on the football field in the midst of practice. The, the coaching staff heard it. The coach heard it. The players heard it. Uh, and at the end, she gave a call. Now, how many of you would like to say that prayer? Give your life to Jesus. And many of the students, the football players, came forward. Some of the coaching staff took their hats off and came forward. Spiritual hunger causes you to do that. Spiritual hunger will catch you on fire. Spiritual hunger pushes you forward into your purpose. That's what we need. Blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. There's a filling that comes. And see, that spiritual hunger, it gets us to take steps toward the Lord and toward His presence. The Bible says in the book of James that if we will draw near unto God, then He will draw near unto us. The Lord is looking for people who will take the first step toward His presence. They will take the first step towards His glory, towards His anointing. Yes, of course, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Yes, of course, every Christian knows His voice and a stranger's they will not follow. But how many Christians are truly activating the presence of God that's in their life? How many Christians are truly engaging with the Lord on a daily basis? How many Christians are truly getting into His Word and filling themselves with the mighty Word of the Almighty God? How many Christians have taken for granted the presence of the Lord when that spiritual hunger will cause you to take steps toward God? Draw near unto God, and He will draw near Unto you. That's what the Bible says. As we take those steps, let me tell you, if you make an appointment with God, he'll never miss the appointment. God will never miss the appointment. If you say, Lord, I'm coming into your presence. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to get into your word. He doesn't miss those appointments. He shows up when you show up. I want you to put that in the comments. He shows up when I show up. And what do I mean by that in context? As we draw near unto God, He draws near unto us. He's looking for people. In fact, let me read the scripture because it's been too long since I've turned to it and read it to you. 2 Chronicles 16. 2 Chronicles 16. He shows up when I show up. doesn't mean we govern God. It means He's looking for people that will seek Him out, seek His face, seek His presence. Seek his glory, seek his voice, seek his spirit. Going after God. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. That's what he's looking for. 
The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. That's what God's looking for. People's heart, whose hearts are whole towards him or blameless or one translation are turned toward him. When God finds people like that, what does the Bible say that he does? Give strong support. He gives strong support. That's Second Chronicles, Jody, chapter 16 and verse number 9. 2 Chronicles 16 and verse number 9. The Lord gives strong support to those whose hearts are blameless toward him. God's looking for people that their hearts are turned toward him. They're fully committed to him. And when he finds people like that, he's always, get this, God's always watching. God doesn't ignore, this would be a great, uh, this would be a great thing to put in the comments. God doesn't ignore hungry people. Hallelujah. Put it in the comments. God does not ignore hungry people. That's right. God does not ignore hungry people. He's he's actually looking for faithful people. He's actually actively looking for faithful people. Hallelujah. He will not ignore hungry people. He's actively searching for that hunger on the earth. Actively searching for that hunger. Hallelujah. And he's not going to ignore you in Jesus' name. God is not going to ignore you in Jesus' name. This is our year of supernatural and divine possession. We're going to go where we've never gone. We're going to do what we've never done. We're going to have what we've never had. God does not ignore hungry people. And so when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. His eyes are actively looking for people that are hungry, hungry for his word, hungry for his spirit, hungry for his power, hungry for his voice, hungry for his glory. God is searching the earth for hungry people. Amen. I want you to put it in all capital letters in the comments. I will be one. I will be one. I'll be one of those. I'll be one of those. He's going to find me. He's going to find me. I'll not be able to be ignored by God for I am hungry. I am thirsty and I will be filled. I will be one. His eyes are looking. His eyes are searching. Will you be one? Yes, I will be one. Hallelujah. I will be one. Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, the eyes of the Lord, this is verse 12, are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Praise God, I will be one. I will be one. For the eyes of the Lord are what? On the righteous. 
His ears are open to their prayers. And the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm seeking. I'm reading. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm praising. I'm giving. I'm speaking. I will be one. Hallelujah. I th- now watch this. By my dedication, I will make it impossible for the Lord to overlook me. Think about that for just a moment before we pray. By my dedication, I will make it impossible for the Lord to overlook me. You say, well, the Lord doesn't overlook people. Oh, there are plenty of people who don't get a miracle from God that don't have interaction with God because God's not going after everybody. He's looking for people that are seeking him. When Jesus was leaving Jericho in Mark chapter 10, I'm sure that there were many people outside of that city that needed a touch from Jesus. Jesus did not stop for any of them until one man got bold enough to diligently seek him out, was hungry for his presence. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, Bartimaeus. And then Jesus stopped. Jesus didn't stop because people had needs. Jesus stopped because somebody was hungry for his presence and stopped and turned and said, bring him to me. And when he did, the man received from the Lord because he engaged his presence with hunger. I need Jesus. I need his touch. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Need it. I need you, Lord. And he's the one who got what Jesus had. Jesus goes to his own. Think about this. Jesus goes to his own hometown, Nazareth, to try to work miracles there. And they could not receive it. They weren't able to engage his presence or his power because of their unbelief. Very plain. And he could do no mighty work there. Nothing. Because of their unbelief. Unbelief. See, hunger brings you into faith. But unbelief keeps you in a place where there's no miracles. No engaging of God's spirit, his power, his presence. None. Notice, if hunger drives you into the word, then hunger drives you into faith. If hunger drives you into prayer, then hunger drives you into miracles. If hunger drives you into fasting and giving and speaking and confessing and evangelizing, then hunger breaks you into the power and presence of God. Draw near unto God. And he will draw near unto you. That's why Jesus, in the very next chapter of Matthew, says, if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Same thing we're hungry for in chapter 5, we're hungry for in chapter 6. His righteousness. Seek first. That means you've prioritized the kingdom of God. It's first, because I'm hungry for it. The kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Hallelujah. Because we've prioritized it, because we're hungry for it. He said, all of these things will be added unto you. Glory to God. Will be added unto you. Thank you, Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for you today. What am I going to pray? I'm going to pray that the Lord 
fills every one of us up with a new and a fresh spiritual hunger. It's what we need. A new and fresh spiritual hunger. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that your word declares that blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so, Lord, today, that's our prayer. We know that's your desire, so that's our prayer. Every one of us, Lord, fill us to overflowing with a new and a fresh spiritual hunger. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, don't let us miss out on what you have planned for us because we've lacked in the area of hunger. I pray in Jesus' name, whatever was causing us to be complacent, whatever was causing us to be nonchalant with our life in Christ, I pray that you would blow your breath from heaven and burn it out of us today. And Lord, I pray that you would blow into us that fresh hunger of your spirit. Let our spirit take over, not our flesh. We'll walk in the spirit and not fulfill the desires or the lusts of the flesh in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as we are hungry, as we become greatly thirsty like David was, I thank you that the blessings of heaven will begin to flow. Give us a new faith from your word. Give us a new wisdom and revelation of your word. I pray you give us fresh boldness to speak your word. I pray in Jesus' name, you give us a desire to fast and pray and to uh, obtain the knowledge of your purpose for our lives. We'll have fresh direction in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you that you're opening doors for your people. Whatever it was that hindered them, that came against them, that was harassing them, that from this day forward, it is being blown away from them by the power of the Holy Ghost in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise that we are your people, that you have brought us out of darkness and into your glorious and marvelous light. Lord, we ask you, let this be the greatest end of a month we've ever seen in Jesus' name. I thank you that you're putting into our hands what we've never held. You're calling us to do what we've never done. We're going where we've never gone by the power of your spirit. And we will accomplish the purpose that you've set before us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. Throw some fire up, throw some hands up, and let me know you're standing with me and believing. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I feel the anointing today telling you things are changing for the better. Things are changing for the better. Look at how things are turning around in America. Look at how things are turning around throughout the world. God's not done with America and God's not done with the nations of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me ask you, would you stand with me and Carolyn financially? as we're doing what the Lord's called us to do throughout this world. As we're preaching the gospel all over the world, on television around the world, holding crusades. If you missed it, we'll play it again at the end. 
But we, we did a video recap of the last three weeks of revival in a row. Powerful, three powerful weeks. We, run, we ran out of salvation cards. We saw cancer healed. We, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was like supernatural, supernatural. And uh, we'll play it again here at the end if you missed it. But would you stand with us? Would you stand with us and believe God for revival to hit this nation and other nations? Would you partner with this ministry? If you would, do what the Lord's asking you to do. Go to MiracleWord.com. You can click the Partner tab, fill out the form, and stand with us. And for those that are partnering with us at $85 a month, we're going to send you this book by Dr. Cho in April, The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner, Understanding the Holy Spirit and His Gifts, powerful from the pastor of the largest church in the world. For those of you that are sewing and partnering at $250 or more, we're going to include with that A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, an eye-opening book, as well as you have access at that place to all of the Miracle Word University courses. Is that right, Tiff? Yes, if they're If you're partnering at $250 or more, you have access to all of our Miracle Word University courses as well. And then for those that are partnering at $1,000 or more, then we're going to send you as well the Net Bible uh, with Full Notes edition. 60,000 translators' notes. A very, very, very powerful uh, One of my favorite new study tools as well. And so I say thank you to everybody that is standing with us. We love you so very much and uh, we appreciate you. And for those of you that are praying for us all the time, this has been the best year we've ever seen and we thank you for your prayers. And for those of you that are standing with us, we ask you to pray. If you haven't been, pray for this ministry. Pray for Carolyn and myself and the team as we're doing what God's called us to do. Uh, Don't forget, we've got a brand new shirt that dropped today uh, that you can get access to. It's it's limited, so there's only a few of these. But the last-gen shirt, the night is coming where no man can work. This is a very, very awesome uh, limited drop that we're doing. It's available right now. There's only a few of these left in the store. But uh, guys or girls can wear them. It's a unisex shirt, but uh, you got to get them before they're gone. Uh, you'll, You'll love it. You'll love it. Let me say this as well. Don't miss 2 o'clock p.m. Carolyn and Tiffany are going to be live together. It's going to be an awesome broadcast. You don't want to miss it. And then also, West Virginia Camp Meeting starts on Tuesday. Cannot wait to get there. I know people are coming in from all over the United States. I honestly don't know where we're going to put everybody. It's going to be awesome. But we have with us special guests. Uh, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown is going to be with us. We have... Uh, Bishop Rick Thomas that's going to be with us. My father, of course, is hosting the camp meeting as he does every year, preaching and praying for people. Uh, Pastor Tony Suarez, Pastor Mira Cuffton, I'll be there. The band's going to be there. It's going to be powerful. You don't want to miss it. Breakthroughs and turnarounds in West Virginia uh, starts this coming Tuesday at 7 and then Wednesday through Friday, 1030 in the morning, 7 at night. It's going to be awesome. I love you. We're going to let you see it one more time. The three weeks of revival in a row, God moved powerfully. We love you. We'll see you again at 2 o'clock with Carolyn and Tiffany. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.